Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined as always by the, I don't even know what to say here, uh, turkey to my mashed potatoes. By the other person who's incredibly tired and not feeling well. (laughs) Turkey turkey to my mashed potatoes. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Feeling good, but you can call me gravy because I'm just pouring all over this podcast. Um, Yeah, so... For the for the movie club today, we're doing a, a themed movie club in uh, Fave Five, and I was looking at the symbols. Kevin, did you see this one? That's a little dragon. Yeah, that's a uh, that's films that feature the Chinese New Year. I I finally found the one. I told you, it's a short film. Yes. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, we this are makes here. It so much better. <laughs> we are here after a, 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 a. I will. What's a, what? If you had to describe that Seahawks win in one word, what would it be? Just the sea the, the agony of victory, right? Like the it was agony. the sea hockeyest Seahawk victory of all time. Okay, I wanted to start off by talking about just I think there's a lot of negativity around the team for some reason. I don't really know why. Like it, they kind of are exactly what we expected them to be. Uh the the B a B tier team in the NFC. I think <laughs> like, people expect linear progression from the Seahawks, and you should know better. Yeah, it, it's just this is who they are. Okay, so the playoff odds, though. Let's just try to put everything in perspective. I think it does put it pretty well into perspective. ESPN and DVOA both did uh, had do their weekly playoff odds articles. Um, so ESPN put us in a tier that was called likely in barring collapse. The other teams in this tier are Vikings, Jaguars, and Browns. And the FPI... It, we, they, when we very belong very well in this tier. I just yeah. want to, um, and then the team. F... FPI says that we have a 72% chance of making the playoffs and a 10% chance to win the division. That seems uh, just about correct to me. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Would you, would you, uh, would you say that Kevin? It's pretty, no, feels pretty that's good. Very fair. Yeah. And then the DVOA has a 75.9%. So slightly better chance of making it 11.7 to win the division. Uh, mean wins 9.4. It, it, you know, it's a nine to 11 win team. This is we've been saying this for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And Never honestly, forget. I, I would, yeah, well, loose change, look it up. Pete Carroll wants you to. <laughs> Pete Carroll wants you to. <laughs> Pete Carroll knows the truth. Okay. Yeah, he knows the can't truth. Melt my season hopes. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to, he's like, watch this YouTube video, guys. We're going to watch it during team meeting. Um, but, <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, the, the thing, the thing about the whole, the whole situation is that, yeah, this is like the fourth or fifth best team in the NFC, but the NFC is extremely bad. I actually wanted to do that to kind of come at this from like a slightly different angle, Kevin, so that I can, so that you can kind of help me put this into perspective. Okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. We're going to, I'm going to list off teams in the AFC by record. And I want you to stop me when you get to a team that you think is like clearly worse than the Seahawks. That makes sense. Clearly worse than the Seahawks. So, so where would they, where would the Seahawks rank? Um, Basically, we're, we're trying to figure out what tier they belong in, yep. because there's going to be a number of teams where I'm like, I don't think that the, that team's clearly worse, but I do think that team's clearly similar. Okay, so Chiefs, okay, Ravens, Jags, Dolphins, Browns, okay, six and three Steelers are next. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, the Steelers are worse. Okay, but then, but then five... Five and four Texans, five and four Bengals. Uh, the Texans, I do think, are worse. Okay, so, but Bengals may be better. Obviously, they well, they beat us. us. 
okay, so like we're right in that. We're right in there. So we'd be like the sixth or seventh best team in the AFC. It's just it it's hard because the AFC has all the good quarterbacks. If you really like yeah. just list them off, the, all the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. All of the the mid to bad quarterbacks are in the NFC. Like the you can make a legitimate argument that Geno Smith is the third best quarterback in the NFC. You also can make a legitimate argument that Jared Goff is the third best quarterback in the NFC. And I think we've talked about Jared Goff over the years enough to know that that's, um, yeah, it, it's not great. It's not great. It's not great. Great in the NFC. The Okay, Kevin, uh, we're going now to the actual game. Okay, so let's get into it. Offense. There was a ta- It was a tale of two Genos in this game. What did you, what did you think yes. of uh, the good, good, the Jekyll and Hyde act, the good Gino, bad Gino that we got? So I think there's a lot to be made about miscommunications. Um, if you look, there are a number of times there's the missed open throat of Fant is the one that a lot of people are going to think of, but there's also, he threw behind DK on a kind of um, a post route into triple coverage. There was the tunnel screen, that almost got batted up for an off uh, defensive lineman interception. There were a number of miscommunications uh, throughout the game that I think, I think what it speaks to is we have a lot of players that haven't played together. I think there's like a chemistry and cohesion issue. We've got a lot of guys that are like nursing injuries. We've got a lot of guys that are young. Um, and when you consider that it's only Gino's second year as full-time starter, uh, and he's been nicked up here and there as well. I think that that's made for a bit of a difficult situation where the miscommunications are a pretty big deal. Gino kind of needs everything to be right around him in order for him to really shine. And I think that's part of the reason why it's kind of taking into, like, if you look, scenario ball is where we should start seeing this turn around. The quick offense in like the last two minutes, um, that tells you that that, those types of reps that we probably practiced a lot more, the team's more on the same page. Um, when it got to crunch time and he's really targeting Tyler and DK, the players that he's played with the most, that's kind of showing that again, like that communication piece is there, but when he's trying to like spread the ball around or when he has to like improvise a little bit more, I feel like he's just not comfortable. Do you know, uh, here's the thing. You're right. This is the fifth youngest team in the NFL this year. So we haven't, we haven't, I've never said that stat, but it, it's been in the back of my head the whole year. This is the fifth youngest team in the NFL. This is it. And that's with a few outliers team. like Gino uh, to drag it like way up too. like Gino and Bobby are dragging that average way up. Yeah. It's so it's like, yeah, I don't know. The, the, yeah, I can talk. I can talk good. You talk good someday. Gino, here's the thing. Gino, at the end of the day, 31 47, 369 yards, career high, two touchdowns, no picks. He only took one sack and then the grounding. Uh, he also, it's just a He's classic. He's also over Gino four game. on 20 plus yards. Three for nine, three for nine, <laughs> three for nine under pressure. Like he was bad. He yeah. was really bad under pressure. This is a team that could not get pressure, could not create pressure. And so because of that, like we were able to, to easily. I do it. The wide receivers played great though. Metcalf seven for 11, 98, six first downs, Lockett eight for 10, 92 yards at five first downs, JSN four for four for five, 53. Like this is a great perform. I honestly, I know the game was closer than it had any right to be. I know it was classic Pete ball where they just keep the game close all the time, but I thought the offense was mostly. Did you feel okay. at any point that we were going to lose the game? 
I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't think we were going to lose, but I was like worried. It, it's a it's worrying when you play every game close like this. Yeah, there were spots where I was like, man, it'd be really stupid if we didn't finish this off. But the entire time I was like, you know, we really should just win. Like, we really do need to just kind of pull away a little bit. Gino basically had two game winning drives. It was a really kind of fluky drive that Washington came down and tied it on. Like, this is just a really weird game. Uh, Like, Gino, they scored the touchdown. And then you had that really odd, like, penalty driven weird defensive lapses drive where Washington ties it up at 26 and then Gina goes back out and wins the game a second time. Like that was, that was the part that Gino's, was really impressive was that they kept that together. Gino's had game winning drives now in, in three game three games. I think at this point it's fair to say like Gino is who he is. There's pros, there's cons. He is not bad. Anyone who's asking him to bench anyone who's asking you to bench Gino for Drew Locke, you should just ignore most of their opinions on football. Like it's just, that's not what should happen. And that shouldn't even be a really a thought that enters into your head. It's a very lazy take. Um, Gino is, Gino is good enough that you should now, should you be asking serious questions about Shane Waldron? Should you be asking serious questions about the consistency of our game planning? Should you be asking about like the types of plays we're choosing and how we're using these guys? Yeah, that that's those are all questions I'm very happy to be to be asking at this point. And should you be um, discussing our offseason quarterback plan? I think that's also why, very reasonable. Why did we run like like here? I'll give you a specific example. Kenneth Walker. Why did we run Kenneth Walker 12 times between the tackles? I don't I don't know. That's Especially like, when Charbonnet had two 10 plus yard runs that both came between the tackles. Not only is that the skill set you drafted four, him for, but in the game, he was showing that that was a better skill set for him to be using. Sh- Actually wrote down that all four of those runs Four he had four of his six runs were between the tackles, 12 yards, 10 yards, one yard, seven yards. So like those are very Seems successful good. runs. Um, yeah, just, just run Charbonnet. That's what he's here for. I, I kind of see what they're doing. I went back and kind of charted like when the guys were playing Charbonnet is playing when they need him to block. This is why Walker has a million carries compared to Charbonnet, even though the snap count actually favors Charbonnet overall. Charbonnet is willing, much more willing blocker, and he's just better at it than than Kenneth Walker, and so that's why he's getting the the burn. He's getting more total plays played, um, but like they should really just think about like you you okay. Walker should be running a lot more zone zone read power out like these power zone plays that that the Rams always run that that should be his bread and butter. He's so good at stuff like that. And like the one play where we finally got him a little gave him a little bit of space, the uh, dump off, the dump off throw on the the check check down down when he takes it 64 yards. Yeah, Yeah, he houses it because he has room to work. And when he has room to work, he's so impossible to to take to take down. He's so let's rewind it. What was it in the first quarter? There was that dump off that was like so ill-advised where he was like eight yards behind the line of scrimmage and he proceeds to make two guys miss and basically gets back to the line of scrimmage. But in a phone booth, canines like disgusting, like nobody wants to deal with Kenneth Walker in a one-on-one open field tackling situation. As a defensive player, you basically could just like cut a million dollars off of your offseason contract if you're stuck in a situation where you have to try and tackle him repeatedly in the open field. You will look He's, bad at your job. They just need to like work on getting, getting, you know, it's the thing is, it's weird is that the things that we need to do are Ram style concepts that, uh, that we supposedly hired Shane Waldron to bring over here. And then it's like, that's the stuff that's not happening. It's driving me nuts. 
striving. You know, an interesting thing that did happen this game. What? Uh, so JSN, most of his production came in the first quarter. And I think the interesting thing was they're playing these kind of two high concepts and trying to prevent us from doing a lot of the deeper passes and the faith in the screen game screens went five for six for 45 yards. So we averaged seven and a half yards per play on screens, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. I don't think we're allowed to do that. Um, there was a successful screen to Disley, but a lot of it came to JSN. And really what it comes down to is uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba has unlocked our screen game by allowing us to throw without making it so that the um, offensive linemen have to get outside for the screen to work. So we don't have to tip our hand that we're running a screen. And that slight change has made it so if they're basically playing off coverage on our wide receivers and playing a system designed to prevent the deep pass, it's making them vulnerable to these underneath routes that we're using Bobo, the tight ends and JSN on. And we've used, we effectively used the short passing game to open up the intermediate passing game, which is not something we've really been good at up to this point. So like, uh, like up to this season. So if that is a trend that can continue, um, where you force them to respect passes from all over the field. Like if JSN is routinely going to be able to uh, take things for first downs, like um, Jackson Smith Jigba had four catches and uh, he took multiple of those catches for first downs. Like he averaged 13.3. He took two. Uh, it's that, two. Thank you. Half of his yeah. catches. He averaged 13.3 uh, yards after catch per reception. Like that's, that's really impressive. It's just, yeah, the team the team has to has yet to put together just like a game plan that feels complete, right? Also, it's a lot of parts. Let's be, yeah, let's be honest. Thirteen receptions behind the line of scrimmage is too many. <laughs> let's maybe chill out with the screen slash short passes behind the line of scrimmage. Calm down. We don't need not do not need to do that. So a lot of yeah. that though is Geno checkdowns too, though. The check. They are, but they don't need to be. We run those out there so that they're not behind the line of scrimmage. Like just, just have them catch it on the like a one yard pass. It's not that okay. Anyway, uh, I thought the blocking. I thought that you know, Grandpa out there looked fantastic. Jason Peters found the found the youth in this game. He did okay. Admittedly, this is probably the worst set of edges we'll play this year. Now at this point, um, since I about they to say, he played a couple of kids out there, and he went out there and was the old man at the pickup game. And just nobody could get around him. Middle was getting pushed around a little bit, but that's going to happen with Jonathan Allen as the opposing player. You have to, yeah, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. That's hard. You have to just, you have to just understand. I think something people don't get is like they're like, oh, the interior offensive line. Oh, they're just getting killed. We need to go out and draft eighteen more guys to fill in the middle of this <laughs> offensive line. We need to sign two guys and draft six more. And fix the middle of this offensive line. There are some guys that are just going to get some push in at some point in the game. We held them to nine pressures. It was never that bad in this game. Uh, so yeah, just I mean, just slow slow your roll a little bit. Take a deep breath. Uh, they did fine. The, the edges, the tackles look good. Cross look good. Of course, like I said before, this is a bad defensive or bad defensive end set. Um, in the middle, you know, the middle that's what you want to see. Front. You want to see Cross kind of punk. Uh, like mediocre uh, edges and he punked some mediocre edges in this game. 
So can we talk very can we have, about that? I think it's time to have the Charles Cross conversation, Kevin. This is it. Okay. So there's a lot of talk on the Discord about like what what do we think of Charles Cross? Where is he at? Like what do we think of of where he like kind of fits into the hierarchy of of offensive tackles in the NFL? You know, his PFF rankings aren't that good. He's been hurt some. Uh, he's in his second year now. We've had a we've we've had a lot some time to watch him. Um, I'll, I'll lead off because I have a I have a take and you can just bounce off it here. Okay. The the thing about Cross is well, number one, we ask him to play kind of out on an island a lot. They ask him to just go one on one against a defensive end quite a bit. Doesn't get doesn't get a lot of double team help. Um, gets out there and I think he performs completely fine. He is. He's not the best. He's going to get beat sometimes because he's not like the craziest athlete. He's smooth. He's really smart. In college, he hardly ever got beat because he just had so much better technique than almost every guy he played against. Uh, It was just snap after snap of him just like out techniquing his opponent. And at the NFL level, there's going to be some Brian Burnses in your life (laughs) that, that you run into that you can't just out technique those guys. It's just that they're absolute total freaks that, you know, he's, he's seeing every once in a while, he's going to give up a sack or two here or there. That being said, I think he's pretty good. He's not the best offensive left tackle in the league. And I don't know if he'll, he ever will be at this point, you know, expecting him to be, the second coming of Walter Jones is foolish, but if we found the second coming of Russell Okung, I think that is completely fine. And that, you know, a guy who makes like what Okung made, like what one pro bowl, two pro bowls, a guy who makes one, a couple pro bowls uh, and plays, you know, pretty good level football for, for 10 years is definitely someone that the Seahawks should be happy. They got in the, in the draft. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on, on a, Mr. Charles Cross. How about what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, this is kind of my uh, conversation point in the Discord too. Uh, I'll give a very specific non Seahawk player example. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons drafted Jake Matthews, uh, round one pick six in 2014. Um, Jake Matthews has been like a like middle to upper middle left tackle, um, good pass blocker, medium run blocker. Um, for most of his career. I don't think anybody on Atlanta regrets that. Like just like spending a top 10 pick to get an average left tackle who plays for a long time and not having to worry about going out and figuring out left tackle is valuable. So I know people want to have like this big time sexy pick when you're able to pick high in the draft, but really what you want is you want to not have a disaster. Even, uh, like the Bengals uh, fans, I know are frustrated with Jonah Williams, uh, but Jonah Williams is, you know, he's providing solid, consistent tackle play. And that was round one, pick 11, 2019. And that's fine. Like, that's not a bad use of a pick. Nobody roster building feels bad about that pick. That's not the problem that has slowed them down in any way, shape or form. So if he can come in and he can provide, if he can be, between like somewhere around the 15th best left tackle in the NFL. Uh, and we can sign him to an average contract and he's around for a decade. That that's absolutely the return you expect for the 10th overall pick. And I think like another thing people need to consider is that like a lot of the guys 
uh, that were drafted after him have done literally a lot of the offensive linemen drafted after him have done like. Yeah, would you nothing. rather have uh, Trevor Penning? Kenyon Kenyon Green, he's on IR right now. Um, like there's there's just all these guys like that just that they haven't done anything. Uh, so yeah, what whatever, man. Like I don't know what you want. Like yes, it'd be cool if we had Garrett Wilson. I I I agree with that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the direction would, we decided know, be to cool go. If, uh, it'd be cool if you end up being Penesul. But, like, you don't get a Penesul in every draft. No. And it would be really cool if we were able to draft somebody in the third round that ended up being really good. Um, and, like, there are some guys that I really liked. Uh, like, yes, I really wish we had picked up Zach Tom in the fourth round instead of Green Bay. That both you and I really like, Nathan. But, you know, like, you don't get a lot of those players. If you want a solid starting left tackle, you probably are spending a top 15 pick on him. And you are probably like, uh, who is the really mediocre guy out of Alabama that got franchised by the Jaguars? I Plus, cannot know his name in my head. Who knows if Zach, if Zach Tom comes to our, to our, to the Seahawks, you know, like who knows what happens with him, right? Like he's total developmental project. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, I, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to like, like, the 15th overall left tackle gets a franchise tag. That's the NFL saying that it's worth spending money on uh, a mid-level and left it's, tackle. It's end. like John said, like that nobody's everyone's holding on to those big guys. That's where the that's where the money is right now. The Seahawks know too, because they take they're taking trenches guys in every draft now. They're taking yep. they're taking shots on guys late with Luke later with and we Lucas hit on Abe Lucas and Stone Forsyth, and they're taking guys early. You know, with Cross, they and uh, you know the two the two second round defensive ends, Mafe and Hall, like they they're they're taking these shot early shots on trenches, guys. They want trenches, guys. They know what they're doing. Um, I think it's you know you can have faith in maybe the the game day coaching isn't as great as we would expect, but the GM plan of Pete Carroll and John Schneider is should not be in question at this point. They have fixed what was wrong in the Russell Wilson era and have been doing a great job drafting. And I think like they deserve kind of the benefit of the doubt there. The only thing I would do differently is, you know, take these mid-level shots on, you know, high upside quarterbacks, <laughs> try to try to strike gold in the, the mid-round quarterback game. But that's it. Everything else, they're completely fine. Okay. Defense. Great game. Dessert. 25, 25 three safety looks in this game, and I thought those were some of the best defensive plays that they ran. I love the Julian Love, Quandre, Jamal Adams all on the field stuff. It's so good. They work really well together, and it Dis- really disguises the coverage well. And I don't understand P- how PFF grades Quandre digs. Like, yeah, he only had one tackle in this game, but like 56 seems unnecessarily harsh to me. Like, he didn't do it. He 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 did his job in this game. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, you, does he need to pick up 11 tackles for to get a good grade from PFF? I don't really understand. Like, Nothing he did stood out as bad. So why does he get a bad score? <laughs> like, you know, they it, watch every play. They, do they? I'm, I'm like, let's sure after this game. I was like looking at the scores and I was like, all of a lot of these align with what I thought, except for this specific one. I don't really get this one is weird to me, but I don't know. Quan, Quandre, uh, I think, is is playing playing just fine. And I think he does a really good job in these three safety looks because they like to keep the other two guys closer to the line of scrimmage. So he's kind of asked to do a lot on those um, where he's he's got to got to cover a lot of ground and stuff. And I think he's doing a good job. When um, Jamal remembers how to tackle the quarterback, oh, he's, he's so it's going to be so good because I mean, he's, he's, he's so good. Anyway. Real nice. He's just not he's, actually like bringing the quarterback down. But, oh, man, once he does. 
two pass rushes. It sounds like I'm being pa- a smartass, and I'm not. <laughs> three pa- he with three pass rushes, he got pressures on two of them. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Th- those are that's it's a real good ratio. Jamal also helps in the run game. Got the three run stops. Um, those are nice. Love had two run stops. That's why I like the safety looks. Is that it, you know you think like when you do these light like lighter heavy or extra safety looks that it might cause some suffering against the run game, but those guys are so good at like you know really reading the play reacting to what's going on and getting downhill yeah and love and play. especially adams are really good at making plays and then having witherspoon in there is basically like having a safety instead of a corner where jamal's like having yeah. a linebacker instead of a safety it, it really kind I, of disguises what should be a thinner look and then yeah it's witherspoon's great on the outside like you said and the, and of course bobby wagner he, for you know all his misgivings he's he's not the same as he was in coverage early in his career he is still an elite run defender He's able to do his job. A guy who you know really can keep can keep the run the defense together on early downs. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't know that the defense looked pretty good. Like you said, Did you see a lot the of their bump in the NASCAR package. A lot of their weird. A lot of their movement was weird penalties. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, weird penalties and then busted plays. Like yeah, Boye Mafe and Frank Clark can't cover Brian Robinson. That's we got exploited. I I, Clark- I would love to see the people that are doing something about that. This is my this is my Frank Clark moment. No, you ready? 17 snaps is 17 snaps too many. This guy is completely washed. I see why he was available for app for free. Is that, is, that, is that harsh enough or is it too? Is this, too... So are you saying uh, his new, uh, is his new nickname going to be Brown Bear or Pink Elephant? Because dude's know, washed. Dude. He, he, it's just, you know what? I'll give him, I'll give him a couple more weeks because I, you know, sometimes I, I watch a game and I'm like, like, like Quandra is a good example of this, where I was like, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But then, then, you know, the next game he does something and I'm like, oh yeah, he's still there. He's, he's fine. Maybe Frank Clark is one, he's one two sat game away from winning me back. But just this game was, I don't know, man. Is he, is he hurt? He didn't did look he, good. did he have, does he have some kind of leg injury accumulation that I don't know about? Did he need a, uh, did he need the, uh, uh, Jason Peters treatment and get a couple of weeks in the practice squad? I think uh, like so we need, I don't know. We need to do that thing that Ray Mysterio did, where they just inject stem cells into your knees. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like Ray Mysterio Jr., the wrestler, he's like as in as good a shape as he's ever been in his career, and it's because he took a year off and just they just injected stem cells into his knees for like a year or something. <laughs> it's like you know, he should, he should get on the phone with uh, uh, Peyton Manning's wife and see if they can give him a hookup. Yeah. So. Seriously. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but there was a little bit of a shift in the way that they use Draymond Jones uh, with Leonard Williams being fully incorporated, where Draymond Jones was lining up over or outside of the tackle more often. And it was creating um, some really interesting pressure uh, situations. So he had four he had four pressures and uh, a sack. And what I noticed is we're getting more pressure from the edges on his side. Can I? Can I put a number to that? Because I wrote wrote it down. Um, Yes. So prior to this game, Draymond Jones had lined up outside the tackles 25 times through the whole season. In this game alone, he had 18 outside the tackles um, lined up. And it was by far his best game of the season. I do think they're changing how they're going to use Draymond for the rest of the year. They're going to try to get more out of his speed. Obviously, the the power uh, is not as, as valuable as the speed, for sure. So, but yeah, if I, you I can provide Dre- this as an accompaniment to Leonard Williams' play, and they can retain Leonard Williams, it actually uh, could make Draymond Jones's contract um, a decent one. 
Yeah, it's it's a little more because if this is the player he is every week, I'm in. Leonard Leonard Williams first sack as a Seahawk. I like him, he's good. I don't know if I give strong. up a second round pick for him till, but sticking for But he just like straight up pushed a guy straight straight back into back into another guy. It's pretty good. Dude, the the um, center went over to double team, and he was just like, nah. He gave him a little baby stiff arm and knocked him to the ground. It was great. Let's be honest. This is a this is a team that makes uh, a ton of mistakes. Uh, that the they 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 lay, they led the league in sacks going into this game. They led the league Washington in interceptions. Is, yes. Washington, yeah, the team that makes ton of mistakes. And so, what you want to see is um, you want to see the you want to see us dominate a team like that. Thirty total pressures. You know, that's what thirty pressures is what you want to see against a team that doesn't doesn't do anything good like this. So yeah, and five passes broken up plus two batted passes. Like yeah. we got our hands in the Withers- way a lot. The one where Witherspoon ran the route, I was like, oh, <laughs> he that ran the route. Beautiful. He did it. He ran the route, and he had it. And freaking scary Terry came from behind and just kind of got his hands in there. Terry McLaurin is really good. I, he is. I kind of in the draft process. Terry McLaurin I didn't is really- their best cornerback. I was like, I was like, I can see why this guy's gonna go in round two. He's he's like not the best. He, he I think he needs to escape <laughs> the commanders. Like he's like he's like DJ Moore, where he just needs to be freed, and DJ Moore just went into a different trap. Poor guy. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he, he went from one terrible place to a just a different terrible place. This guy is never gonna get free, and that's probably what's gonna happen to Terry McLaurin. Is he's stuck there, and then he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna go to like Zach Wilson quarterbacking the vikings uh <laughs> what's gonna... his name uh uh robinson uh uh oh alan oh, robinson the... alan robinson yeah they they both have alan robinson just, syndrome just bouncing from horrible quarterback to horrible quarterback it's just can't, can't somewhere escape. christian hackenberg is like uh uh like poking a um uh a, a voodoo doll of him boy amafe team record seventh straight sack uh seventh straight game with a sack nfl record that's not the NFL record. That's the Seahawks record. What but what is the NFL, NFL record, record in my heart? That's a good question. NFL record for uh, most games. And oh man, he just looks like he's sack. faster and faster. It's right. like his speed rush off the edge oh. is devastating. Wow. Okay, I'll give you like three guesses who holds this record, and I don't. I do not think you'll get it. Go is ahead. it like a known rip, sack rip artist? Off. It's a guy who plays in the NFL right now, and it is a guy who gets sacks. Yeah. Uh. Kyle Vanoy. No. Uh, uh, name, three NFL, <laughs> name three NFL players. No, it's Chris Jones. I would have okay. never picked a, wow. a DT like that. That's pretty cool. 11 straight games. 11's a lot. Yeah, 7th October to 23rd December 2018. That's pretty good. 11 is a lot. Yeah, so Boye's got to get four more games of the sack to tie the NFL record in a row. It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but once again, we said before, get on the hype train. The boy, we said this like I think four weeks ago. We had this big talk. Like this is this he's becoming a star, and uh, it's happening right now. Uh, Derek Hall, la- last player I personally wanted to talk about. He's running hot and cold. This week was cold. I wish that he got the full red shirt year like Mafe did, like the like where we don't have to use him at all. Yeah, he's been pressed and, into the, service where he's over twenty snaps a lot of the time, and that's yeah. not ideal. You know what? 
Nwosu injury kind of got forced us to use him. I think they would have liked to just kind of give him the whole year to kind of build into the program. Uh, but uh, the good stuff is good. The bad stuff is, is rookie stuff. So um, love to see him. I think next year he could be like a, he could have like a Mafe esque rise in year two. So just a player to watch, look for the flashes, look for the flashes like last week, not like this week. Um, any other defensive players you want to talk about before we head to the spe- the specialist of teams, the most special teams? Because we do respect all three phases. Can we talk about real quick about that force fumble fumble recovery? The fact that it was Spoon who I uh, noticed that Diggs had the tackle. And so he just goes, oh, the tackle's already happening, goes all ball. He just like that was started like, ripping at it. That was like so that was heads up and then Reek scooped it. When the coach tells you like in like, even in like Pop Warner, when the coach tells yeah. you like you feel the tip of the football just rip because like as soon as you could tell, as soon as he felt the he felt the tip, man, his arm just went straight up, like just like just the rip. He ripped so hard, and it was like, yeah, that's that's like a classic like kids football coach <laughs> that he's been yeah. he's been hearing that he's been hearing that one since he was eight years old. Uh, so yeah, basically, great. we've already talked about Witherspoon, but I just want to say one more time: appreciate this dude is special. Like he is doing things that rookie defensive backs are not supposed to be doing. Yeah, like um, getting people to throw at Tariq Wollin some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they. Oh man! Oh, what, that, a, what uh, an embarrassment! What an embarrassment of riches we have, though. Like the dude, the, Reek. Was uh, that Reek against Jahad Dotson was really funny to watch. Did you watch much of the All Twenty Two? Because he would go up, no. uh, and he would he would go up on the line of scrimmage. And Jahan Dotson would be, uh, when they didn't protect him and Reek had him on his side, he would just throw an arm into Jahan Dotson's chest. They they had to, like, resuscitate him back to life afterwards. It was just this beautiful bump coverage where he just dead-ended Dotson's entire day right at the line of scrimmage every time. It was perfect. What was the, what was the announcing line of the game, though, Kevin? It's when... <laughs> when we had Trey Brown in coverage coverage on Deompi Brown and Mark Sanchez decided to say that it was Brown on Brown crime. Mark Sanchez is so he's as bad at announcing as he is at running like a weird QB draw into the back of his own offensive lineman. He is the he is the he's the king of that. He's the butt fumble of color announcers. Dude, It's bad. And then it's he tried so to bad. he tried to clumsily steal my uh, my Charbonnet versus Sparkling Zach joke. Don't think I didn't notice that you tried to do that, Mark. Didn't know you were a listener. Suck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's let's start with the special teams though. Tone Setter, Jarek Reed, two more special teams tackles. That's my guy. I'm fully enamored. He has taken the Nico Thorpe mantle and just just put it on his shoulders. He is the new. Uh, we don't need anyone else. Jarek Reed. Uh, Julian Love also had two special teams. I would say Julian Love also has been showing up a lot more now that he isn't full time starting. He's a difference maker on special teams. He's a good special teams player. It's cool to see Derek Young back. Like he has potential to be like a impact special teamer. Pete did say in his interview um, this morning that he was like worried about his injury status. So we'll see if he like maybe takes next week off. They don't activate him. Something like that. Um, And then DJ Dallas. They the where there were some short, weird, difficult punts and lots of guys running like really close to him while he caught them. He did a good Super job. Super sure handed. Yeah, he did a good job fair catching those. Those were weird ones where I was like, I was like, man, some someone who's an idiot would would fumble these. Uh, yes. Okay. 
those are the those are the fun special team stories. Now we got to do the serious ones. Jason Myers, five field goals, great game. Uh, Single handedly put me over the cut line in fantasy football this week. What a Jason what a Myers, guy, Jason Myers. Clearly threw every calendar in his house away. Calendars have been banned at the VMAC. What Dude, year I'm is it? You, he doesn't know. He's just doing work. It's the hyperbaric chamber for, or the whatever, the hypersonic chamber from Dragon Ball. <laughs> he was he was in it, dude. He he spent a whole year in there, missing field goals, and now he's back. He's <laughs> ready to make them again. Uh, and then he he wanted to give credit to someone else. He said this was Chris yeah, Stoll's first game winning game winning field goal. Uh, and we already knew the factory produces results. <laughs> like we don't we don't need to t- we don't need anyone to tell us that Chris Stoll's good. They, we know it's a it's a factory is a it's proven it's proven machine that produces results uh bro <laughs> if, if you if you saw if you saw the guy who runs the factory that would make more sense he looks like um pc principal from that south park episode he um, definitely uh definitely is really into the get guns videos um. <laughs> all right you guys you, you ready for talk about the revenge game against the rams that's right the revenge game week week one the Rams put Pete Carroll into a death spiral. He was so unhappy with what happened in week one. You could tell it has bothered him for weeks and weeks. This week he will get a chance to exact his revenge, and he made his first step towards that revenge last week when he signed to the practice squad. <laughs> Rams quarterback <laughs> Brett Rippin. <laughs> That's right. He's like, hey, Brett, Brett, you got that playbook? Yeah, just come on this over. Kinda, you're in. This this kind of double agent stuff happens all the time in the NFL. People people <laughs> are like, like, why would you sign Brett Rippon? He was really bad in that game he played for the Rams. Yeah, I know. We all know he was. He sucks. He's not good. But he, you know, he, he knows he sucks know? too. But this is a chance to get a contract. <laughs> yeah, he knows that he can get paid five hundred thousand dollars by the Seattle <laughs> Seahawks or whatever it is to come over here and run the practice squad and pretend to be the Rams offense. And guess what? No one's going to be able to pretend to run the Rams offense better than the guy who was running the Rams Pretending offense. Pretending to two run it in ago. a game. <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah, it's, this is great. This is great. And the Rams, you know, they cut him because they signed Carson Wentz to, to be the backup. And then they got him up to speed over the, over the bye. whatever. If you're going to do that, just do it at the beginning of the year. I have no idea why you wait until week 11. To, I mean, maybe Wentz just didn't want to take a backup job the beginning of the year he thought he was better that's than that. possible um seahawks are four Sorry, and one sir, at home you are bortles seahawks are four and one at home uh it's a good opportunity to get to five and one is this kevin for you is this a must-win game uh okay i think we have to win two of the next five so if we don't win this one then it's a really weird path to get two of the four after it so it's not a must win but it's a really really should win uh okay it's a really really should win uh okay i i wrote i wrote you don't have to win this game but if you do you're really behind the eight ball and you've got to win two of the next four in the gauntlet two of the four in the gauntlet which is probably so so we agree uh, a big a big (laughs) ask it's a big lift to win two of the four in the gauntlet with the two thursday night games playing the you know the red hot dallas cowboys the the philadelphia eagles and the, the niners twice which you know, you you hope the Niners have a couple uh, All Pros get injured because once they get down like two or three All Pros, they're pretty bad. 
but right now they're they're get they're trending back to full strength and yeah. In that first game, good, we got to just make sure to injure a few of them so that in that second game we don't have to face them. All. Actually, a, probably a good plan. Yeah, is just try to just we maybe we'll hire uh, Sean Payton for one week for that. Or yeah, wait, wait, Sean, who is we can, we can who is the defense Greg coordinator? Williams is the Greg Williams defensive yeah. consultant. He's he's there's he's definitely not doing anything right now. What do you think Greg Williams is up to right now? Do you think that there's what is some he he's emotionally blitzing high school games? Okay, Greg Greg Williams, Williams emotional blitzer. Okay, let's see. He uh, he is the defensive coordinator for the DC Defenders. Of the I was gonna say which XFL, XFL team? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. He's Hit the a, bricks. He's the Defenders. I cannot believe they hired him. That's just whatever. Everyone defensive gets defensive coordinator. If you're if you're a, if you're a seventy year old white dude who can coach football, I guess you get first, second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. Okay. Um. Let's go ahead and hit it then. Uh, scores. I think the Seahawks do get revenge. I think they look good in this game, but of course, it's closer than has any right to be. I'm gonna go Seahawks 31, Rams 24. Kevin, uh, I'm with you on the Seahawks being able to score because the coverage for the Rams is not good enough. And, and we're so, gonna throw 40 times, even even though it's Pete Carroll, he's throwing now. We throw, and they're not really gonna get great pressure with it too. So I think it's gonna be uh, Seahawks. Uh, 36 uh rams 21 it's gonna be close and then like fourth quarter it's gonna be time to win the game and they'll pull away all right well there are many ways to support the seahawks nest podcast the best way to do so head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest and for as little as a dollar 24 a month uh join the discord uh listen to me uh talk after the game for five to 15 minutes to myself just right away stream of consciousness thinking um thanks to hey, those i was on for the last the one <laughs> thanks to those who support the show um big thanks to do it all for the tucci who wants me to mention that washington fish quest has a dope video came out eight days ago massive six gill shark feeding basically blake blake drops uh his uh his his camera down here into the uh and he's got he's got the gopro on the crab pot okay which is pretty fun it's like really relaxing to watch I I don't know like videos like this like just put me in like the the most zen mood. But then the shark. So if you have trying two to... monitors and you have to do something boring for work in one of them, put that on the other one. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. But the the shark's trying to feed on his crab pot. It's pretty cool. So check it out. Um, and then uh, so people who support the show do it all for the Tucci, of course. Emmanuel, Andy, Cooper, Evan, Floctimus, Gavin, James, Joe, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm. Ryan, Sam, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Cracksnacker, 420, Daniel, David, Feet Me, Onry, Foles, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Noah, Poops, Loomis, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, Chip. And then I want to shout out our newest Patreon, which is uh, Anjay and Ben. Okay. Uh, you guys, uh, we never done ads before. Here we go. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> hey, Art. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to do this one live. Here we go. Uh, hey, are you two of the most mediocre middle aged white guys in existence and you want to record hey, I'm one all of, of your thought? Are you do you want to record all of your most inane thoughts for the Internet to hear? Does that sound great that sounds to you? All right. All right. Well, I feel important. in all in all seriousness, we've used the same podcast platform to record our podcast for the last like five. No, maybe even more. A long time. We've used this platform for a long time. It's been We've kind used of it impressive. Three formats, 
Right, exactly. That's another thing is this this for, this platform has really grown. But one thing that's always stayed the same is the ability for this platform to totally save your butt when there's weird disconnects and like lot, all the things that can go wrong during podcasting with disconnecting and stuff like Comcastic. this. This platform will some magically somehow you'll have all usable files and you won't have to go crazy in the edit trying to fix everything. So, like it's it's really like kind of excellent this this oh sorry i've not actually mentioned the name of the product this product is called zencaster okay so we use we use zencaster and i really like it it's easy to use it's got like i said they're they've been constantly improving it's like a they have a bunch of features that you can use or not it's like you you can kind of approach it how you want to but the, the reason that i like it so much once again is that things can go wrong when you are when you are making a podcast and this podcasting platform will save your butt it it will it will have give you a usable file and that is like just so so nice i really appreciate zencaster and um if you want to try uh zencaster okay um you can i roll all this down and then i put it in a weird spot and now i'm like struggling to find it in my show notes here we go okay if you want to you can head over to uh, Zen, zencaster.com use our offer code seahawks nest there'll also be an offer link i'm going to post in the announcements on the discord you can check it out so uh, check out zencaster use our offer code seahawks nest and you get 30 percent off wow whoo save that money kevin save that money so okay any 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 um i'll have more zencaster stories because we were going to run this we're going to run this campaign for like a couple months so okay let's get to it movie club uh this week uh, we Thanksgiving is coming out this week, and I was thinking. And by the way, Thirteenth Warrior is still coming, but Eric watched the movie, and I did not want to disrespect him, his time like that, and not have him. So we just not we have did a little flip flop on what would have been the next movie club back to this movie yes. club. Yes, yeah. So this mo- we just switched next week and this week next week. So Thanksgiving comes out three days uh, this Friday. It is a horror the movie, movie set. Holiday comes out when it always does. It's it's a horror movie, horror a horror movie uh, set over thanksgiving based on the based on these short you know those shorts they did for for uh planet terror grindhouse uh which i i really liked that grindhouse uh the duology thing with planet terror death proof i thought it was pretty good um a lot of people didn't love it i think death proof is the better of the two movies and i'm gonna sure i'm gonna take some flack for that but i like death proof i think it's actually pretty good uh planet terror is okay any anyway uh i thought it kevin thought it actually would be fun to uh to do it movies that have have holidays in them non-halloween horror, horror but holidays. yes it cannot be halloween is the rule i mean we're gonna do a fave five we each get to pick two this week kevin and then we get to fight over one oh, do, are we picking ready? two or are we fighting over three i thought we could fight over no, three. no i think we're fighting over one we're picking okay, two here we okay, go okay, okay, um, okay. my first pick midsummer takes place over the holiday midsummer and uh, if you haven't seen it, if you, I'm not going to spoil anything, but this movie rules. Uh, it's very, just very creepy. That from my very list good. of ones I was going to say. Um, watch, watch mid Midsummer. Uh, I do the. There is, are some absolutely brutal death scenes in there, and they're done in this really the the way this film is shot is so cool. Florence Pugh's so good in this movie, and it's yes. over two hours long. So, um, and I just like. How do I put this? Um, the 
I really want it. I, I don't want to spoil anything, actually, because I think like this movie kind of slid under the radar for a lot of people. Like a bunch of people probably haven't seen it. And I do think it is worth watching. So you know what? Because my favorite thing about this movie is kind of towards the end. It is one of and, the better uh, horror movies to come out in the last decade. I would I yeah. would recommend it to anybody who has a strong stomach. Yeah. Ari, Ari Aster, like Hereditary, Midsummer, like those banger, banger. Bo is Afraid. I watched it. I did not like it as much as the other two, mostly because it was like three hours long instead of just two hours and some change. <laughs> it's like that's a long time. He's re- three hours. He's really series. he's really pushing my limits of like how much I'm willing to. I really love the director. I love his his style, his vision. But like he really pushing the limit of what I'm capable of in terms of a guy who has a crusade against long movies. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's pretty much it uh, for that one. Midsummer number one for me. OK, Kevin, put put one in. Okay, since you picked a movie that uh, it, it doesn't have to be gamed in there because it's just a great movie, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to pick a movie that is uh, that is on the holiday of Independence Day uh, for part of the movie. Oh, and nice. it is one of the uh, granddaddy of uh, modern horror. And that is uh, 1975's Jaws. Oh, I actually have an Independence Day movie on my list, and I thought you were about to pick it, but that's a good one. Jaws is a good one. All right. Uh, Jaws, yeah. not like Jaws it's just it. It's it's great. If you don't know, then go find out. Like it's it's a foundational horror movie. And the best thing that ever happened was the animatronic shark didn't work that well. So they had to actually just shoot a really good movie. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's super, super good. Uh, yeah, no, no, no score. notes. Beautiful. Score. Jaws is 10. <laughs> I think like my favorite part of of Jaws is just everything Richard Dreyfus does. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite part of Jaws is it does the horror movie fake out in such a way that it became an even more used tactic. There were a lot of really well shot scenes where you thought there was going to be a shark attack and there was not. I'm going to go with another movie that's Independence Day. I'm going to go with the, the 2017 It. I think that movie is uh, is really good. Um, it really set up uh the, a sequel that then just shouldn't have existed all right go that is uh, like, that's, the second movie Stephen was king doesn't write endings <laughs> the second the second movie was a real letdown for me i was like really excited about it and then i watched it and i was like man it's just not good especially because they got so many good actors too i was like oh this it chapter two it chapter one was so so good and i was like super into it now it chapter two is gonna be like awesome they got they got Bill Hader, James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Isaiah Mustafa. Like this is gonna rule, and it does not rule. It does not rule at all. It, it's quite, quite the opposite. It's mid mids. It's very mid. So, all right. It doesn't mid summer. Uh, it just mids. Uh, so I picked uh, another movie from the seventies. Uh, it is one of the quintessential slasher movies. Um, it is a Christmas movie. I have brought it up for Christmas list before, um, oh, and yes. that's nineteen seventy four's Black Christmas. Uh, the acting's really good. The death scenes are really good. It just, it, it does a thing. Like, I don't know really what else there's to say about it. It's, um, the characters, like, it's a little over the top, but they like act like real people. And it's not a lot of stupid decision making. It's a lot of like, uh, yeah, it's, it just, I don't know. Like, I feel like other movies tried to do what it did, including remakes of it, and just never really got there. All right, and then we don't really have to talk much about the fifth movie. We already know it's going to be Santa's Slay, starring Bill Goldberg. No, okay. <laughs> um, okay, 
in all seriousness, there is a there is several uh, left here that are pretty solid. Uh, it, it, I know this is like the turning into a very strange list for us, but um, Kevin, give me we'll, we'll just trade off. Just say one that you that you like, and we'll do like we'll get a list of like five or six here. Top, top uh, five, the top Return six. of the Living Dead, another okay. uh, uh, Independence Day movie. How about how about uh, the Wicker Man? The old one, not the Nicolas Cage one. Although Please. the Nicol- the Nicolas Cage one, have you ever seen a movie where Nicolas Cage just ki- is in a bear suit and he punches out a woman other than the Wicker Man? <laughs> it does have something going for it. That is cool. Yeah, if you like unique movies. Uh, yeah, Wicker Man's, Wicker Man's a classic. Uh, a New Year's movie. Have you ever seen a 1980s slasher film Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis? No. Uh, it is it's it's exactly what it is i don't know what to tell you it's like a three out of five but if if you like the idea of uh a possible magician that is a killer um that uh it may or may not be the magician uh but it's on a train on new year's i don't know did you ever watch halloween on a train it's that no Feel how you I will. Never did. I never <laughs> did. I never did want to that, and I'm not sure if I'm mentally prepared prepared for that. <laughs> um, okay. What about uh? What about Silent Night, Deadly Night, Kevin? <laughs> Garbage day. Uh, Gar- it's iconic. Garbage day. It's really bad. It's Don't really bad. It. It's kind of fun. Uh, if you so want to watch, if you want to watch a bad, bad and fun, you could watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, or uh, not. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, you could watch Maniac Cop, which involves uh, St. Patrick's Day. That and was, the second uh, one has a Maniac Cop rap. Uh, Gremlins for a Christmas one. Gremlins is actually a good movie. Why would you do this? I was naming bad movies on purpose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Had to bring this curling back around so we could eventually end it. <laughs> Grem- Gremlins, Gremlins, is a, Gremlins is a good movie. I agree. I, I'm into Gremlins. Uh, yeah, that there's not much else I, I think deserves uh, to be mentioned here someone's gonna someone's gonna have uh, something here that's so okay obvious i have one Discord that's a, this is an oddball bad. one okay i'm ready uh creep show one of the ones in creep show has father's day oh boy okay yeah uh, uh creep show is uh is is interesting is it do we do maniac cop just because uh it's like the podcast an official mascot because it's, it's funny it is funny. <laughs> I I think the best answer is either the old Wicker Man or Gremlins. I think those about, are like what about Leprechaun? What about Leprechaun? <laughs> have you have you thought like whenever I th- even just think about the, the Leprechaun, <laughs> I'm like I'm not so sure about it's the... it's so not good. Uh, okay, I I let's go with the actual Leprechaun is just not scary. It's not scary. Is it's the movie. Not. It's like supposed to it's be scary, but but yeah, it's just not scary it's enough. It's purely in that like a uh, uh, child's play. This is made for thirteen year olds to feel like they're getting away with watching horror. I feel like this is our chance to bring up Anna, Anna and the Apocalypse. Did you watch this movie? Yeah, the uh, Christmas musical horror movie. Uh, yeah, zombie movie. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not that good. So the thing about it is, it's a good premise with some really fun scenes that has like 35 minutes of pure filler and you feel every minute of the filler. It's like, not doing and it's any, not it's a not long movie. Anything. It's like a well, it's like 90, a 93 minute movie minutes, or something. 98 minutes. Yeah, it, it's 98 minutes long. This is a 60 minute episode of something. Oh, Kevin, we didn't bring up the purge election year. OK, OK. 
I low-key think the Purge movies are actually pretty good, but they should lean even harder into political commentary. Like it's such a it's such a like good idea to like really talk about like class issues because like what would happen if the purge was real like rich people would would be murdering poor people like they have a good opportunity to kind of like kind of make commentary and they just they kind of work around the edges of it but i just like lean in lean in dude like make make it really like uh, hard target oh i love hard target (laughs) dude i'd rather watch hard target 10 times than face off once I'm John Wu. I'm a big John Wu fan. Okay. Uh, let's say, is that is that supposed to be a is that supposed to be controversial? Because I just hear facts. Um, okay. Let's do Gremlins. Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> you said horror. That is not a horror movie. Uh, scary no. to kids. Okay. No. Gremlins. Gremlins is it. Gremlins is in. All right. For Kevin. For uh, the Ghost of Eric. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks.